All right. Welcome. Good morning. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Cannabis Minority Report. Thank you for joining us here at the National Cannabis Industry Association's podcast. Uh, this is a platform for global majority, aka minority voices in the industry, uh, part of NCIA's ongoing commitment to our DEI program and creating greater diversity, equity, and inclusion in the industry. Each week, we sit down with a conversation with an inter- with an inspiring entrepreneur of color and report on the news, providing our take on headlines and highlighting interesting stories we'd like to share. I am the DEI manager here at the NCIA, and I'm really glad that you're here to join us. We have a great guest today, Keiston Franklin, a good friend for the last few years here in the industry, building, doing amazing good things. Uh, he's actually now the chair of our uh, Banking and Financial Services Committee and, of course, the CEO of Gallon Tree Industries. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation in just a little bit, but as you all know, first we jump into announcements from NCIA as well as our take on the news. So uh, we're going to start with uh, with, um, with with some announcements going on. Uh, we are right now uh, tentatively scheduled to be in New York, Detroit, and Chicago for our equity workshop tour that will be starting at the end of this month through the first week of May. We will be releasing uh, dates, official dates and locations very soon. When I say very soon, by the time that this podcast hits Spotify, we may already have announced them. But for those of you watching live today, we're still uh, a little bit tentative. Uh, On that note, we are looking to finalize our last couple of sponsorships before we can go ahead and announce officially. So if you're a company out there looking to elevate your credibility, your visibility, and you really care about and have a commitment to social equity in the cannabis industry, Go ahead and reach out to me. We'd love to have you join us as a sponsor. Uh, these workshops are really designed to help bring the, the networks together, bring the national network as well as those of our local and other national organizations together with our social equity community in these different cities. Uh, I'm a strong believer that a big reason that social equity has been so challenging is because of the fracturing and the siloing that we have within the communities, within our networks. And so the more we can bring people together, I think that's where we really start to see the magic happen. So. I hope to see you in these cities, New York, Chicago, and Detroit. They are associated with our industry socials in those same towns. So hopefully you'll be able to make those as well. Um, The industry socials, of course, are NCAA's live event series this year. Um, The other thing that I want to mention today as far as uh, news within NCIA is our Global Majority Caucus, which is uh, made up of our uh, gold majority leaders of our board, our committee leadership, as well as our equity scholarship members that have become very active in committees. Uh, We have about 45 members strong in our Gold Majority Caucus, which I think is an amazing accomplishment here at the NCIA. And that meeting that we are having, our Global Majority Caucus, is later this week. Of course, it's a private meeting for us to be able to kind of uh, huddle up together, figure out what's going on. Again, breaking down more silos and continuing to expand and grow the network. So... Those things are, are on tap for April. Uh, stay tuned and we'll, we'll tell you what's coming up next. All right. Uh, that said, uh, I got some news here today for everybody. Uh, and the things, oh, you know what? I forgot to make some announcements and some thank yous. Uh, thank yous are always in order, right? So thank you to our sponsors for the Equity Workshop Tour. Uh, our gold sponsors for New York, Etain and Grow America Builders. Thank you so much for both of you all. Grow, Grow America Builders is also a silver sponsor for our Chicago workshop, uh, along with Illinois Equity Staffing. And uh, we also have a silver sponsor that has come on board for Detroit, Canis Capital. Thank you all so much for really stepping up and, and taking the lead and saying, hey, yes, we want to make sure these happen. So thank you so much, Canis Capital, Etain, Grow America Builders, Illinois Equity Staffing. I know there's a few more uh, that we'll be announcing in the next few days as well. So thank you again. All right. Um, that said, 
Uh, the first story I want to lead off with here today is uh, the NBA uh, reached a their their uh, competitive uh, their CBA. I'm 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 a competitive benefit agreement. I can't remember. Uh, for some reason, it's completely blanking me. But the CBA, uh, it's basically their 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 contract between the NBA, the league, and the Players Association collective bargaining agreement. Thank you, uh, Vince. Uh, so you know, it's it's the it's the agreement between the union and the the, the NBA itself. Uh, they announced that they signed one for seven years. And the big news here is that the ban on marijuana on cannabis uh, is no longer there in the CBA. Uh, previously, it had been it had been uh, deprioritized, where the, it wasn't yet a ban, but it had been uh, the, the testing for cannabis had been suspended. That was a result of the bubble in 2020. Uh, a lot of players actually uh, were, were relying on cannabis to, you know, help, help manage certain uh, aspects of things, especially the mental health side of things of going through the pandemic, being in the bubble. Um, and so the league had recognized, hey, you know what, as long as uh, there's no you know, so-called aberrant behavior, uh, we can go ahead and deprioritize testing of that. But it wasn't officially yet removed from the CBA until this new round. Uh, they are ratifying it over the next few weeks. But last week, um, they announced that this was a big part of it. Uh, so really exciting to see that, especially because we're seeing other leagues as well, right? MLB, Major League Baseball, uh, has gone ahead and recently signed a CBD company to to to, to serve as the league's first ever cannabis sponsor, uh, UFC, uh, you know, United Fi uh, uh, Fighting uh, Championship, uh, the uh, you know the, the MMA league basically announced in 2021 they would no longer be punishing fighters over marijuana tests, um, and the NCAA uh, no longer uh, you know players no longer automatically lose their eligibility uh, following a positive test. Uh, and then the NFL even has gone ahead and stepped up and said, we're not going to be suspending uh, players anymore for this. So, um, you know, the, the 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 movement of the needle is definitely there. We're seeing professional athletes now not having to hide uh, their use. Uh, it's been a long time, a long time thing where a lot of players have either had to make a choice of hiding it and then risking suspension and even worse, potentially losing contracts, losing, uh, you know, endorsements, things of that nature. Uh, or simply go ahead and go the opiate route instead of being able to lean on cannabinoids uh, for their pain management. Um, and, you know, for, for the folks out there that, that don't necessarily realize this, you know, uh, being a professional athlete, of course, is extremely challenging on the body and on the mind. And so having access to cannabinoid medicine as opposed to having to lean on opiates is really uh, a major deal in this country. And something that I think is going to help to move the needle as far as acceptance and destigmatization. We see so much that, you know, people lean on athletes and celebrities in general for the lead, taking the lead on a lot of things. There's a reason that LeBron James has how many million followers on Instagram or uh, Twitter or wherever else. And so, you know, having uh, now these leagues step up and say, we're not going to penalize people anymore. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant has made a deal with weed maps to help promote and destigmatize cannabis. I think this is going to really help shift in the culture, especially in uh, in minority cultures, uh, the African-American community, the Latino American community, these different communities that where the stigmatization has been very deep. I think we're going to see uh, so, some breaking of that stigmatization now uh, over these next couple of years as athletes are able to a little bit more freely uh, move in that space. We've seen some uh, retired professional athletes uh, enter the space, but of course, they're not as in the spotlight uh, because they're they're retired and, and no longer, uh, you know, uh, drawing the same spotlight a lot of the time. So um, anyway, so that's definitely something uh, that I thought was very newsworthy and I, I wanted to weigh in on and, and celebrate really uh, because I think it's a great uh, moving of the needle. Uh, Keiston, any any thoughts on uh, on that one? 
Well, you said it. Uh, it's, it's really good that they're, I guess, <sighs> recognizing that cannabis is a benefit. It's a plant. It's uh, something that can be helpful, particularly with uh, athletes, uh, you know, injuries, recovery, even mental and emotional health. Uh, you know, and having professional leagues as well as uh, individuals come out and speak about it, you know, brings a little bit more and sheds a little more light uh, to the plant and the benefit of it and, you know, the use and maybe get some more research, just some more support in the federal level uh, because of that. So these are all, all great things, I guess, in my eyes. Awesome. Yeah. The research side of things, as you know, sports medicine has become highly researched. Uh, and then that recovery time thing, that's a huge word that we hear a lot, especially in the NBA uh, with, with, you know, uh, load management and things like that. So absolutely. I you know, appreciate your, your insights on that. Um, and so uh, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. I'm going to come back to another new story in just a minute, but I wanted to go ahead and, and highlight some of the businesses we do every week here, highlight global majority owned, managed, run uh, businesses, uh, you know, because that is honestly part of the news. Uh, you know, we, we're so used to the news being the things that show up on CNN, CNBC, whatever it is. But news really is anything that's new, anything going on. And so I think that it's really important that we recognize that we are making news on a regular basis. That is what's going on in the world. That is what's going on in the industry. And so we we, we constantly make a, a point to highlight news uh, of companies that in our in our in our orbit in our sphere. Um, so the first one here to be off with is uh, shout out to the law offices of Omar Figueroa. Omar Figueroa, of course, is one of our board members at the NCAA, a really strong leader and advocate in the cannabis industry for decades. Um, it's funny when I, when I, uh, when I met Omar a couple of years ago, a few years back uh, as a board member, I, the first thing I asked him, I said, are you the same Omar Figueroa that helped out some of my friends 20 some years ago in cannabis in the industry before we called it an industry? And he was like, yep, that was me. And it connected so many dots for me, being able to see that somebody who has really been just a champion for a long time, this was before it was glamorous to be in cannabis. This was before the sexiness of the industry. This is somebody that from the jump street has been about how do we advocate for a plant? How do we make sure that people aren't getting locked up and going to jail for this plant? So Omar, uh, you know, thank you so much on that note. But the news that here that I want to bring up is that his law firm was named best cannabis law firm and best and also best IP law firm uh, by the uh, North Bay Bohemian, which covers Napa and Sonoma counties. Uh, counties that are very important in the California economy, cal counties that are very important in the cannabis industry as well. So, uh, Omar, uh, congratulations. Uh, that's excellent news to see you being recognized by your peers. And I know you've been recognized uh, in many different capacities over the years, but um, this is one that, you know, came up recently. So thank you for all the work you do. Um, another award uh, that I found out about recently was from, went to Osbert Ordunia, uh, the CEO of the Cannabis Place, and a recent member of our state regs committee here at the NCIA. He's also been doing a lot of great work with our New York Social Equity Roundtable. Uh, Osbert is also the, uh, I think he's one of like a co-director of the tri-state chapter of the National Hispanic Cannabis Council. And he's also the founder of a uh, organization that has just uh, started out to uh, support service disabled veterans in cannabis. Um, and so Osbert does a lot of great work and he is the first recipient of the New York Canna Chamber of Commerce's Equity for Our Community Award because of all the advocacy work he is doing in New York on behalf of BIPOC service disabled veterans as the, and disproportionately impacted communities in New York State. So Osbert, uh, a recent uh, licensee in New York uh, congratu and also New Jersey, uh, congratulations on the award and being recognized for the work you're doing. 
And uh, shout out to also taking that, that that lead and being somebody getting one of those licenses uh, to be able to do some good work. I, I love seeing licenses go to people that actually really give a damn about the plant and the community. Uh, so really great to see that happening. And that isn't something that we've seen in necessarily a lot of other states. So uh, shout out to New York also for, you know, I know there's a lot of a lot of flaws in, in how people see things have rolled out, but we also see that these are folks that are getting licenses, whereas other states uh, that didn't happen. So uh, we have to shout out where things are happening that are positive. Um, okay, and then um, the last person that I wanted to highlight here is uh, Coico Castillo. So Coico, uh, the president of MCBA, uh, the news here is he's also, you know, first of all, this isn't news. He has been the founder of Thunderstorm Strategies for a while. Uh, that's a marketing firm uh, that does a lot of great work with the nonprofit sector and the political sphere. Um, but they also, he also just launched the Cannabis CMO, uh, can, uh, Chief Marketing Officer, basically CMO, Cannabis CMO Newsletter. Uh, it's basically going to be filled with marketing tips, uh, news, uh, best practices for specifically for cannabis marketing professionals. And, uh, you know, Coleco, for those of you who don't know him, is, again, another one of these people that has a huge heart, uh, really, uh, you know, always thinking about impact, always thinking about how do we make uh, strides in this industry and in this world. Uh, so it's really great to see Coleco uh, going ahead and, and launching that. I think it's going to be a great resource. I know that the, he interviewed Brad Bogus recently. Uh, and a lot of great insights and wisdoms there. So if you're in cannabis and you are trying to figure out how to get your business out there more, uh, definitely check out the Cannabis CMO newsletter, uh, Coleco uh, Castile. Congratulations on, on the launch of that. All right. Um, so I'm going to shift my shifting gears here now to the last news story, which is kind of along the lines of what I just mentioned with Coleco being the president of MCBA. But NCIA and MCBA, along with National Cannabis Roundtable, the U.S. Cannabis Council, and the uh, National Hispanic Cannabis Council uh, have released a joint letter uh, to the uh, U.S. Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs to expeditiously take action on the Bipartisan Safe Banking Act upon its reintroduction, highlighting the near need for congressional action to alleviate the barriers to accessing capital and banking services to public safety and support economic growth. So what really struck me here is that these are organizations that uh, we, we, you know, we should be working together more. We should be working together in lockstep a lot more uh, because we do represent the businesses in the industry in a lot of different sectors and spheres, right? MCBA, minority cannabis businesses, NCA, of course, we cover uh, Main Street Cannabis, which includes a lot of minority-owned businesses. And then USCC is definitely made up of a lot more so-called the bigger players at the table. But the reality is we all need to be working together because this is a small industry relative to where it's going to be going and we need to be thinking about things together. So it's great to see all of us working together, NHCC, of course, and NCR, uh, too. And that's a great segue uh, to, to really talk here with um, with Keiston here, because Keiston is, as I mentioned earlier, the chair of our Banking and Financial Services Committee. Um, so before uh, you know, I, I pass the mic here to Keiston, I just want to say real quick here, you know, Keiston has been somebody that I've looked at with a lot of respect over the last few years. I got to meet you, Keiston, in, uh, in Chicago at that Chicago Resources Fair that the city of Chicago put on, I think it was 2019 or something like that, um, you know, when uh, when cannabis was, was coming online for adult use in Illinois. Uh, we had a great conversation there uh, on the floor there. And, and just really, um, ever since then, you know, every time we've checked in, you've always got amazing things going on. And I've always kept really that the eye on the prize of, you know, being realistic and, and at the same time, staying positive, staying optimistic about what we're doing here. Like if we're doing this for real, if we're really building something, we have to stay positive and we have to believe in ourselves and believe in what we're building here. And that's something I've always really respected and appreciate about you and every, every circle that you've been in 
every time we come in a room and, and you're there. So, uh, so thank you for joining us here today. Uh, thanks for all the work you're doing with Gallantry Industries and, and everything else. Um, I'd love to hear your take uh, on, on this banking thing and kind of what, what the deal is with safe banking and how your committees are looking at that. And yeah, uh, tell us how you're doing, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show. Very excited to be here. Uh, I listened to it a couple of times, so uh, definitely an honor. So, yeah, I remember 2019 UIC Pavilion or UIC uh, Forum. Uh, first entry into cannabis, me and some of the other business partners were already in the hemp, uh, but the uh, rec was rolling out here. And some of the same issues, uh, you know, then are, are still some of the same issues now uh, with the new spin on it. Now, with regards to the banking, you know, so <laughs> I, I smile and I'll pause because, uh, you know, it, one, I'm not a politician, you know, so I'm just going to say it how I see it as always. Well, I've always been, uh, you know, politicians say, well, we we're, we're delaying because some of the provisions are it's not protecting some of the bad actors. I get it but you aren't protecting some of the good actors, you know, in that space. And so that's one of the things that uh, banking financial services committee here at NCIA, we've worked towards and saying, well, okay, until safe banking passes, there are financial services and companies out there that can be utilized to help grow your business, sustain your business, and then, you know, make your dreams a reality uh, or even your business a success as you see fit. And, you know, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier about, you know, being positive, uh, it's understanding the business that you're in. And cannabis, it's not a very quick, get rich uh, type scheme type business. Uh, so that's one of the things, as long as you temper that expectation, you understand it's a marathon, you know there's going to be iterations, uh, particularly in uh, the sector of banking and finance, because there's, you know, very restrictive uh, policies in place, uh, then you're going to be okay. You know, being part of a network, like NCIA and some of the other uh, cannabis associations really helps out uh, because just in NCIA alone, we have over 60 plus banking and financial service, uh, you know, entities or, or entities that are, are providing those services for cannabis op uh, operators and, and new cannabis uh, uh, entrepreneurs. And so just being part of that network in itself can resolve some of the banking and financial service issues that, you know, initially we ran into uh, in 2019 with getting into uh, banks that, uh, you know, service your type of account for your business, uh, as well as getting uh, accountants and tax representatives who who can support, you know, some of the specific needs that you have, you know, revolving uh, 280E and some of the other uh, restrictions that you might have with the operating cannabis business. Yeah, again, so you're, you're really bringing up that, that the, the impact of the who you know, not what you know uh, concept. Um, yep. you know, a lot of folks, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's the space, you know, and you can until there's some provisions for safe banking, it is who, you know, so get to know everyone that you need to know to make your business a success. Uh, would, I can't iterate that, uh, you know, enough uh, getting to events. Uh, if you have a banking issue, you know, with accounting, you know, go to the workshops and events where accountants are putting on seminars about 280E. If you have funding, get to every single, you know, pitch presentation, get around VCs uh, and, and, you know, rub some elbows, I guess, remotely. Now it's uh, uh, digital meet, you know, but uh, yes, get in those spaces and then, you know, speak about your issue. That's the other thing. A lot of times people don't speak about financial issues or challenges that 
they're having. And that's, you can't solve something that you don't know, you know, what the problem is. Uh, and it's not an embarrassment because that's just, it's just the nature of this industry as it's in its infancy, infancy 15, 20 plus years, but uh, still young as a, you know, an industry growing here in the United States. I think that's a great point, right? I mean, we're actually taught from a young age in this country a lot of times to not talk about money, not ask people yeah. how much they make, not ask how much rent costs, all, all that right, kind of yeah. stuff. Um, so it translates to when we're business owners, not want to talk about money at all. Um, you know, I think that's a great point. Everybody needs to take heed to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what's the, uh, what's the goals for the committee this term? Like, what are your goals with the safe banking? Oh, no, what's the safe bank? Well, of course, we know what the goal of safe banking is to get that thing passed. Right. But uh, what's the goal with, uh, with the Banking and Financial Services Committee for, uh, for NCA this year? Education. You know, that's the overarching goal, getting as much education on financial service tools and resources uh, to social equity, minority, or just any cannabis uh, operating, even hemp uh, operators. Uh, you know, some of the new financial services or institutions are coming out with new products, you know, getting those products out, getting a platform for uh, NCIA members and non-members alike to discuss some of their, you know, the issues that they might be seeing geographically or, you know, in their specific uh, business. And, you know, our, our main goal is to to get as much information out on how to successfully manage your business from a financial perspective uh, as possible, you know, whether it be just, you know, podcasts, webinars, uh, blogs. Uh, we have a new hot seat uh, that we're very excited about launching this month. Uh, being very specific about the uh, entrepreneurs, the uh, financial challenges, uh, but that's you know our overarching goal. There's some other things that we'll you know roll out uh, as the the year uh, comes through, but most of it's uh, education. Awesome, no, I love that, and you know I, I think that something else you said there that that really uh, strikes out, for, you know, sticks out for me is um you know you mentioned of course for social equity businesses and really for businesses in general because at the end of the day. There's really not a lot of a difference when it comes to business, whether you're social equity or whether you're regular business. Um, yes, there may be some more grants available here and there. There may be some other hurdles. And, and also, you know, by definition, there's a little more of a lack of access to resources. But running the business is the same. And so understanding your finances and being educated on that is going to be the same. So uh, thanks for bringing that out. And, you know, even with that, I was saying, which everyone talks about social equity, but I'm going to be real. This is. It, social equity businesses, I almost say it makes it harder, you know, because you have the stigma now, you know, particularly in banking and financial services, because most of the provisions of social equity means economic poverty or economic hardship or some type of, you know, poverty level. And then this scares most financial institutions because they're like, well, if you're, you know, doesn't matter what the cause is saying, well, if you, if you don't have a lot of funds, then how are you going to run a business? If you can't manage funds, how are you going to run a business? You know, these are some of the things that scares uh, a lot of financial institutions. But if you you stay the course of this is just a traditional business, use the resources, uh, even your your score, your SBA, uh, WBDC, and getting a lot of uh, financial resources there. You may not be eligible for some of the grants, but the process of you know having you know good financial books, good financial hygiene. Uh, is going to be the same uh, when it comes to, you know, cannabis business. There's going to be a little small deviance here and there, but yeah. So you talk about financial hygiene and, um, you know, th that term right there, financial hygiene, right? It's not a term that I'm actually too familiar with 
but I can kind of guess what that means. Uh, tell us yeah. more about that term, what it is, why it's important. Financial, I can't even take, so financial hygiene has been out around for a while, but the business partner, Terry Buffalo, he uses it and he says it with such passion. So I just had, you know, it just rubbed off on me over the years. Uh, but financial hygiene is just that, you know, when you're, you, you think about any type of hygiene or cleanliness, now you're looking at your books or you know, when in the cannabis on financial hygiene. Um, you know, how how is your business structure? You know, when you're looking at your budget, you know, are you monitoring your spending? Are you reporting what you're you're spending? Are you you know, do you have any type of uh you know future plan, realistic goals and things like that? Are you monitoring uh, your credit? Are you using credit? Uh, is this, you know, all these things that you, you would have in a traditional business, um, you know, how are you really articulating this, you know, and then does it smell good <laughs> at the end of the day? Because that's what everyone, safe banking, politicians are worried about. It's like, well, you know, you got two sets of books, you know, this doesn't look right. Or, you know, situation is like, well, it's just all over the place. And so when you, you, you go to give your reports to the state, because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, compliance are going to want to do an audit, you know, two, three times a month, uh, you know, sometimes more, depending on what you're doing, all cash or what state you're in. Uh, you know, you want to make it as easy as possible for your business to be a success. And then when you're looking at getting funding, bringing in new partners, you know, your books are clean, uh, you have a clear financial plan, uh, then it just makes it much easier for individuals to make a decision. Uh, moves them from the quick no to a a, a more concise maybe and uh, towards that definitely yes you know so no one wants to go out on a date with someone who smells right so right. <laughs> same thing so if, if your if your books are financials uh, they 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 look funny and smell funny then think of the same way you know so clean it up awesome I love that um, one of the things that I, I do recommend to folks in my coaching program a lot is. Uh, spending a half hour a day with your financials, uh, even if you don't think you have to, just spending a half an hour doing it because yeah. uh, to your point, right? You might not eat something funky, but you're still going to brush your teeth that day regardless, right? So, yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. Well, and then also with financials, the more you spend in there, you know, you're when you're looking at what your spend is, counting for every penny, every, you know, uh, cent that comes in, the more you're going to look at your business, you're going to figure out where some of those leaks are. You're going to figure out where your lack of understanding is and an entrepreneur, um, you know, is. And then you can reach out to the right professional to help with that. Uh, you know, finance is the center of every business. You know, uh, doesn't matter what industry you're in. You can see what marketing is working, what's not working. You know, you can see uh, where you're you're exposed. Uh, at as far as insurances and even on on accounting and products and what's what's being sold, but yeah, like you say, spending you know a little bit of time just going over that it also helps you know reengage you with your your vision of your business. If you have your your business and you say, oh, I want I want to be in this region or I want to scale, you know, it's going to take money to do that. Uh, you know, if you want to have X amount of income at over a period of years or you want to exit, you know, it's going to take money and revenue to do that. And if you aren't monitoring that. You aren't monitoring your success or tracking your your business, uh, you know. So. I mean, right there, sage advice, right there. I think that that. I mean, Vince, just saying this right now is that that's a that's a segment right there. I think that everybody should hear. So let's pull that let's pull that piece out because um, I think that you know we we often take for granted that folks are just automatically doing that, and reality we find out is they're not. 
a lot of times to your point, people have this, all these great visions and cannabis brings a lot of great inspiring and inspired people into the industry. Uh, but the brass tacks still matter and we still have yeah. to sit down with our financials, with our books, make sure all that stuff is clean to your point. You know, you, you, somebody that some, another business partner would want to date you basically, you know, <laughs> a bank might want to fund you. Right. So, and so forth. So, um, Okay, so shifting gears a little bit, uh, you know, tell us about Gallantry Industries itself. I, I know that you guys are very uh, focused on on veterans in the space. Uh, you, you yourself being a veteran of, of the armed services here, um, and so uh, can you tell us more about Gallantry Industries and kind of what the mission is, and, and you know, just more about the the company in general. Right, right. So, Gallantry Industries, Inc. We're a, a C corp, veteran and minority owned uh, hemp and cannabis company. Uh, vertically integrated, you know, and our mission was to, you know, empower veterans and communities using the plants uh, of hemp and cannabis. And, you know, we, we started off as getting veterans and minorities into assisting them getting into the cannabis industry uh, here in Illinois uh, through applications, through the three recreational applications. And then after that, we found a NAC board and had some veterans across in the country and some other states to say, hey, uh, we want to be a part of the cannabis industry, but we have no idea how to do that as well. And so uh, we started uh, helping outside and, and then being partnered up in other licenses. Uh, some of the minority and veterans in the group, you know, <laughs> were coming from the legacy space. Uh, so grown and then we're very excited to be able to do this legally. Uh, and then after, you know, uh, Rudy, one of my other business partners, uh, we started hemp together in 2000. 13, 2014, and one of the other business partners um, uh, in one of our Illinois uh, licenses, uh, we ran a nonprofit, a veterans nonprofit. And we did that for 10 plus years. And we originally got exposed to, um, you know, the cannabis industry as we're helping you know, veterans who are working in the cannabis industry, making great money, and they could not, uh, you know, get housing. Uh, or, or get a mortgage just for housing is where the issue was. Not the fact that they didn't have income, but the income wasn't verifiable because it was from an illicit business. And so we're looking at some of those solutions and how to, you know, navigate that. And that's what our initial exposure was outside of, you know, using CBD and cannabis just for our own aches and pains uh, going in that way. But when we looked at, you know, what this plant can do for a community, you know, as we're on a nonprofit side, we say, well, we should, be a little bit more deliberate. And that's when we chose a for-profit uh, entity and, you know, started down the path of creating gallantry industries, uh, which, you know, now we have uh, licenses in five other states. Uh, we're working on two uh, large licenses, two other states, and then also licenses in Ecuador, finally, uh, working specifically with hemp and uh, as well as some cannabis research uh, and development. So, you know, our, our mission is to empower, you know, through this plant, uh, the hemp and cannabis plant. Uh, we started off with veterans and minorities, but, you know, to empower communities uh, is, is you know, one of our, our biggest passion. And we choose veterans because veterans are everywhere here in the States. And if you look at the history and community development, you know, a lot of the veterans are leading some of these uh, community-driven groups uh, because they, they're, they're community and, I, I guess, focus you know they've already volunteered uh to serve their country and then when they come back they want to serve uh their country even more or serve their community because you know we, we believe we can be so much more than what we are not that we aren't great right now i think we're a great country a lot of great communities wonderful uh, opportunities 
but there's still more that we can do, you know, to our own community members that, that we're doing some things overseas, you know, that uh, uh, that can be improved here. So. Awesome. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate your commitment to 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 really bettering the community. There's always room for improvement, no matter what uh, something looks like. We can always keep improving it. Um, so uh, now, you guys, when you say hemp, you, you mean industrial hemp, though, also, right? You you, you do mean CBD, but you also mean uh, industrial hemp, right? Well, absolutely, yeah. So uh, CBD, hemp derived products for ingestion, ingestion um, you know, aches, pains, you know, rebalancing the cannabis. Um, you know, system in your in your whole body. You know, we have tons and tons of receptors, but also industrial hemp. So industrial hemp is something that's you know, we're very excited about, and we've been building this out for about two years plus. Uh, you know, there are tons of uses for it. Whether you're looking at building for hempcrete insulation, uh, woods, you know, tables, uh, lawn chairs, anything that you can make with a plastic or a polymer, you can do with. Uh, hemp and is environmentally friendly. You know, everyone's talking about going green, uh, you know, getting up their ESG scores and things like that. But with hemp, it is, uh, you know, it can be a reality uh, here. So, yes, definitely industrial hemp. It's uh, it, the industry's filling some of the gaps that they had in the processing segment, you know, that we didn't have enough uh, processors. Uh, or those with, uh, I guess, enough equipment here to handle some of the large loads that would be needed for a, you know, a larger industrial or infrastructure use of uh, industrial hemp. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, it's changing. A lot of processes are coming up, a lot of equipment, some engineers are building equipment here in the States. So the lead time, you know, you have to wait for that as well. You know, previously, uh, some of the, the equipment like, uh, uh, the corticators, things like that, it would take like months to get over, you know, and no one really wants to wait months or time, so they just kind of not go into that business. So, but yes, definitely industrial hemp. We're we're very excited about that. We have about uh, 240 molds of industrial hemp uh, in our facility in Morse, uh, Illinois, and we're, uh, you know, 13. Well, I think it was like 13 injection mold machines in which we can print. Pretty much uh, anything that you can do from uh, traditional plastics. Wow. So yeah, I mean, you know, we, we don't really talk about much, much about industrial hemp uh, at the NCAA because it's you know we're, we're more focused on the uh, so-called THC side of things, uh, whether it's yeah. medical or whether it's adult use. Um, but I think that this is something that's slept on a lot, uh, and people maybe it's because like as you mentioned, uh, the supply chain, the processing, the manufacturing wasn't there before uh, to the point it is now. Uh, but is this an opportunity you feel that people are sleeping on that people need to be kind of being more, more aware of? Uh, yeah. Like, do you think it's, you know, where do you see the industry yeah. going at this point in time? Yes. So like it, it is an opportunity. I don't know if people are sleeping on it. They're waking up to it. Um, but you know, the industry is ready for growth. You know, there's been, you know, USDA grants been put out for industrial hemp uses. I think it was like a hundred million dollars. Um, I think last year, 2021, federal government put out, you know, I forget how many million dollars for infrastructure using, uh, you know, environmentally friendly and safe of products. Now, hemp was specifically named into that, uh, you know, but even construction uh, facilities, hotels, boutique uh, restaurants, uh, they're looking at, you know, well, how can they be, I guess, environmentally and human friendly? I guess, if you will, whether it be utensils that they're making, uh, you know, uh, I think one of the uh, construction companies 
they like the hemp treat just because it was lighter. You know, they can they can employ individuals with uh, either disabilities or cannot, you know, carry large loads of bricks and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an industry that's growing. And, and with more businesses looking at using hemp as a base raw material, you're going to need simply that raw material. You're going to need cultivators. You're going to need processors. You're going to need individuals who are able to manufacture uh you know more so i'm very excited because it could really bring back the manufacturing industry here in the u.s which we we saw in the last two or three plus years a huge gaping hole we have you know in our country and we couldn't even produce things to save lives uh here we had to wait a late time for it to be shipped out to another country uh so very excited about you know the industrial hemp the uh, the opportunity here in the states yeah, it sounds like it can make a big shift in, in, in so many ways we didn't even think about, right? I mean, the thing you just mentioned about being able to employ folks that couldn't otherwise carry certain types of materials. I mean, that's just yeah. something I wouldn't even think about, you know? Uh, so there's probably, as we start bringing these things more online, there's going to be more and more of these kinds of things we uncover. Uh, I, again, it goes back to what I say a lot is that I think that, you know, cannabis, hemp, whatever you want to call it, uh, has the ability to really, I think, uh, heal the world in a lot of ways. And and yep. uh, it, it, because it touches so many aspects of what we do, yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. So uh, the question I want to ask you because we we you know yeah sorry go ahead. No 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 I said it has healed the world. I you know my own personal story I just say is uh, a buddy of mine, uh, mentor actually, and became a good friend. He introduced me to to him, and it you know healed my body physically. I'm not making any medical claims, not a doctor or anything like that. Uh, but you know the veteran taking prescription drugs, things like that. I remember the very first, he gave me a chocolate chew and, uh, you know, the CBD uh, tincture. And I was driving down, you know, it was in California, got back to Chicago. I was driving down LSD Lakeshore Drive. And then I had to call him, guys. Just for the first time in like years, I felt almost like no pain. Like, and it was just, it, it may seem like trivial, you know, but when you knee surgery, shoulder surgery, all sorts of things. And every day you just wake up and you're like, oh, okay, this part hurts. It doesn't hurt as much as it did yesterday or a certain part in the day. So you get used to that. But to have that feeling, you know, and that's when I became, you know, John Babs. I called Rudy right after the call. I was like, hey, you know, you got to try this, buddy. Now, this is back, you know, 2014, 2015. And it's uh, the plant. It's a fantastic thing. And, you know, we want to share it with the world. Um, you know, so very, very happy to be in the industry. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned physical pain, and, and I don't think it's a trivial thing at all. I think that uh, people that live with pain on a regular basis understand that it, it's, uh, you know, not having pain or being close to pain-free is not trivial at all. It, it's an amazing thing. Um, and, and I think the cannabis has a lot of potential there. I mean, I don't think that. We, we know this from lots of different experiences. Again, not a doctor either, um, but right. uh, but saying from anecdotal experience that it definitely can, can help with that. Um, and so, you know, uh, kind of a, a separate topic here, but you mentioned, uh, you know, that you're, you were a competitive gymnast at one point in time. This is something I didn't know about until recently. So tell me about this. Like when, how, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, oddly enough, so I grew up, I, I was a bow leg, pigeon toed kid. You know, I wore braces all the way up until I was about four years old. I, you know, couldn't walk. There's a, like not just braces on the ankle. You know, people see this, of course. There's actually a bar at the bottom of my foot, you know, that kept my feet and turned them out. So it was just, you know, challenging. So 
once I was out of those doctors, like, okay, he doesn't have to worry me more. You know what? Parents put me in athletics to keep my body moving. And so it put me in gymnastics. My sister was in gymnastics. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, had a knack for it or I liked it. Maybe I liked the coaches or, or whatever, or the fact that my sister was in it. So I wanted to be just like her and be good at it. And so, yeah, continued it, became competitive with it. Um, did it all the way through from since my whole childhood, since five, and then up to about two years in, in, in college. So went to Junior Olympics, did well with there, you know, uh, met a lot of wonderful people, both inside of uh, the U.S. and outside of the U.S. in gymnastics. And uh, it's it's a great sport, you know. I, I, I would say I had some great coaches as well. Uh, both that were my own and then even from the camps and experience of going to different gyms and learning during the summertime. But it's also helped business, believe it or not. Um, you know, gymnastics, when you're overcoming challenges, and it's only you, you know. And so the, the beauty about gymnastics is it's, yeah, sometimes it's a team sport. Yeah, you, you're competitive against your gym, against another gym, but it's you and the apparatus, you know. Like into I guess golf, you're, you're you're besting yourself and you're you're besting the equipment. So if there's anything that's uh, an issue, you have to fix it or you have to figure out what works with you and your body, because uh, sometimes your body type doesn't work. Uh, you know, work with a particular uh, apparatus or whatever. But you, you, overcoming some of those challenges, but also vision. You know, everyone talks about now. Oh well, if you want something, envision it. You know, hold it in your mind's eye. You know, I had this coach, uh, Jim Heisey and Kevin, uh, but Jim would always say before we go do a routine, he's like, uh, you know, envision you doing your routine. You know, when we would do these exercises in practice and we do it right before meets, you know, every skill, every hand placement, your toe point, things like that. But when you think about, well, in life, if you want something, same thing with business, you know, same thing with your finances uh, in the uh, in the in the, the cannabis business. You're envisioning what, what does your business look like? You know, what what does your spend look like? What does your your products look like? You know, how do people see your business uh, when you you know uh, when they see your logo? How do they feel about it? You're envisioning all these things, and then you're making it manifest by you know going out and getting the partners in place or getting the tools and resources in place to go ahead and do that. So, you know, I'm very grateful for my time as gymnast, as a gymnast, uh, because it, you know, indirectly helped me, indirectly helped me, uh, you know, be a better entrepreneur and then uh, just a, a citizen, I guess, by, by having some of these, uh, you know, challenges to overcome in a safe space as well as opportunity to share uh, wins and, and losses. Uh, and then even support individuals who are competitive on my team, uh, but also, uh, you know, we're, we're on the same team. So we, I, I want to best them uh, so I get uh, on the podium. But at the same time, we want to make sure that they're doing well because we want to get on the podium ahead of us, the mother team. Uh, so it's a it's a you know, it's a great sport. I, I loved it. You know, lots of aches, lots of pains, lots of long, long nights. Um, lots of traveling. I got to see the world, you know, there's definitely the States in the world. And so, yeah, that was <laughs> my time. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I really, I'm glad that we got to have this conversation today because I didn't know this at all. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Right. And, you know, I, I love what you're saying about the, the envisioning and, and being intentional, right. And being able to really see your success in everything that you do. Right. Um, and being able to lay that out there so that it's not just 
you know, this idea that somebody has as an entrepreneur, and then there's no visualization of how we're going to get there. Um, I imagine if you went out there in gymnastics and tried to do that, you would end up pretty, pretty injured <laughs> is, is probably oh, what yeah. happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> get some bumps and bruises, but uh, you put some ice on it, take a little rest and try it again, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. The resilience, man. And that's one of the things that we need in this industry. And really as an entrepreneur in general, we need to be resilient. So, um, I can't believe time is uh, totally flown by. We're going to take a quick break right now, uh, and then we're going to come back and play our candy quiz game. Uh, we're going to see how, how Keiston, how you do on our, on our quiz today, and uh, we'll be right back. So, Vince, take us away. Well, here at the National Cannabis Industry Association, we have proudly represented small businesses across the cannabis industry since 2010. We represent Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. We have come so far in this fight to legalize cannabis that it seems that it's almost inevitable. And we're the ones making sure that as those rules are written, they favor small businesses, mom and pop operators, and Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. In addition to making sure that your voice is heard at the federal level, being a member of NCIA also means building a vibrant community of small business owners within the cannabis space because we can always learn so much better by working together, learning from our mistakes and our successes and building this industry together. So if you're interested in making sure that small businesses and Main Street Cannabis has a seat at the table, be sure to join NCIA at thecannabisindustry.org. All right. Well, hey, look, this has been a great conversation. Um, and, and you know, like I said, I told everybody here when we announced the show, this was going to be a great one here talking with Keiston because we can get really deep on some things. Just simply talking about gymnastics, uh, really life lessons, talking about financials, life lessons. These are things that every entrepreneur really needs to understand and be able to apply to their business in order to be successful, especially for the long term, especially if you're trying to build generational wealth. And especially if you don't have a ton of resources at your back, right? But recognize you do have a lot more resources than you think a lot of the time of plugging into these networks, plugging into the NCA, plugging into, you know, hit up the Bank and Financial Services Committee at the NCA if you're struggling with that. Openly speak about your finances. Openly speak about the struggles you're having so that other folks that are out there who have experience can help you with those problems. Uh, you're not alone. This is not a new thing uh, for entrepreneurs to struggle with the financial side. Um, what's really a new thing, I think, in our modern world is to never talk about money. Um, that's, I think, the thing that's kind of, uh, you know, a, a more of a modern construct. Um, so with that said, we're going to jump into our game here. Uh, and all right, the way it works, it's very basic, straightforward. It's a couple of multiple choice questions uh, and, you know, no, no real studying needed. Uh, but we basically see if you get zero, one or two. I think we've had one person, maybe two people get two out of two. We probably should go back and figure that out. A bunch of folks have gotten zero out of two. So, you know, if you get one out of two, you're, you're, you're golden, I think, right? Okay. Um, so, but shoot for two. Envision two. Let's envision two. Let's envision both of them. All right. So, um, first question. Uh, cannabis uh, support can feel niche. In whatever social or political circles you run in, though, you're likely to hear some form of support or some form of can for, for cannabis legalization. Uh, whether it's for adult use, medical only, uh, you know, hemp, whatever it may be, the overwhelming majority of our country is ready to see the end of criminalizing cannabis. In 2021, so as of 2021, what was the remaining percentage of the country still supporting the full prohibition of cannabis? Was it uh, 22%, 13%, 8%, or 2%? How many people in the U.S. as of 2021 were still in favor of full prohibition? 22 13, 8, or 2%. Oh, that's tricky because I know the opposite and none of those stats uh, 
it matched up mathematically. Uh, well, they were saying 67% were in favor of trying cannabis product. So I'm going to go maybe somewhere close to 22%. A lot smaller than that. Um, we're actually going to go, according to an April 2021 Pew Research Center survey, only 8% of Americans say that cannabis should not be legal in any form. Um, an overwhelming uh, majority, 91% say it should be legal for some aspect. Um, so, uh, you know, 60% say it should be used, it should be, uh, at the, for this survey, 60% said medical and recreational, and then 31% said medical only. Uh, so that's 69% basically thought that, you know, um, you know, the, the other case around. So, uh, but yeah, 8%. Uh, so, I mean, we're, when we really think about the fact that it's still federally illegal, we still think about the fact we can't even get safe banking through yet. Um, it's kind of crazy when only 8% of adults actually feel this way. But uh, it shows, you know, federal government tends to move pretty damn slowly. So federal government start waking up and start getting this moving forward. <laughs> Are they voting um, 8% or what is this? Is everyone voting or what? <laughs> <Talking to laughs> this is for a survey. So it doesn't mean that they went out to the polls for this, right? Yeah, so, um, you know, this was over uh, Pew, Pew Research uh, did this one. Um, all right. So uh, second question, uh, start low, go slow. Often the advice for people that are learning how to uh, dose uh, with, with cannabis, especially with edibles, right? Um, so without proper dose labeling and production, edibles can sometimes seem you know, too much for someone new to cannabis. And a lot of folks actually will even shy away from, from, from using it. Uh, now, if everybody knew this information, they might be a little bit more likely to try it or at least to be able to navigate a little easier. So which of these fixes for too much TAC can help someone level out their experience if they feel they have overconsumed? Putting mayonnaise on your face, smelling some black pepper, consuming some CBD, or licking a fresh lemon. So these are all nice colloquial fixes. Putting your face in mayonnaise, smelling some black pepper, consuming some CBD, or licking a fresh cut lemon. Wait, what was the last one? The... Licking a fresh cut lemon. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, consuming CBD works, uh, you know. Uh, and then the pepper, you know, the peppercorn, they say, but that's not sniffing black pepper. Uh, but I'll go with CBD since that's one of the ones. Yep, that's it. You nailed it. Uh, well, every answer has been suggested, of course, by the pros out there. Um, apparently, uh, Vince hit me with this with this one here. He says that Snoop Dogg actually suggested the mayonnaise on your face. Um, so that was a Snoop Dogg uh, recommendation there. <laughs> um, CBD actually works, and it works because of the anti-anxiety mechanisms um, and by also uh, basically using um, – uh, different receptors, I guess. Uh, it says here, since CBD doesn't bind to the receptors like THC, it can balance and take the edge off of the intensity to be high. I'm not 100% sure on the science and stuff, but I'm going along with uh, with Vince's uh, uh, you know, research here, and I'm saying that I do know that CBD can help. Um, and so, yeah, you got it. So that's one out of two. Uh, so you, you don't go. fail. Uh, one out that's of two good. worked for us. <laughs> Even if I did Absolutely. fail, I'd get back up and try again. I was like, if you let me back on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, you're always welcome, man. Like, you know, seriously, this is a great conversation and, and one that I think people really, uh, you know, will hopefully will, will really benefit a lot from, especially some of this information you had about, you know, financial hygiene and really getting, you know, that, that envisioning thing. I think, uh, you know, envisioning success and envisioning the pathway to success. It's not just about envisioning the success itself. A lot of times people think about what it's going to be like to be there at the end, but we don't really envision the steps it takes to get there. And then we basically fall flat on our face and don't reach the final goal. So I think that yeah. road mapping and envisioning the roadmap is really important there. Um, Keeson, any last things you'd like to leave with our audience today before we head out? Yeah, absolutely. So a, uh, 
don't be scared to talk about your finances, I guess. It would be the very first thing. If you have a business that's doing well, cannabis or not, ask them what they're doing, what they're using, what software they're using for accounting, who they're doing for their taxes. You know, specifically for cannabis, yes, you do want to get individuals uh, who, who have uh, cannabis-specific uh, knowledge when it comes to financial systems, uh, reporting, things like that. Um, get into organizations that help and benefit your business type, uh, as well as in the industry, you know, accelerators. I was in an accelerator, uh, Founder Institute, fantastic time. I learned a lot. It wasn't necessarily cannabis driven, but it was, you know, about business and tech and really making your business, uh, you know, I guess, uh, structured properly. Do these things. Uh, and keep in mind that your business is uh, in the cannabis industry and it's just now growing. Uh, so it's a marathon. You know, you got to sprint, you got to be fast, but you also have to have some endurance and then have some patience in, uh, you know, with yourself and then some, some of the other individuals in the, in the space as well. Yeah, but I love the industry and, uh, you know, Banking Financial Services uh, Committee. We should have some wonderful uh, information coming out here shortly. So please, uh, you know, keep visiting the website and become a member. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Keiston. Thanks for that plug as well. I think that membership in NCA is something that is is highly valuable for people's businesses and also very important for the industry so that we can go and keep advocating in D.C. so that we can push for the Safe Banking Act to get through. Um, or I guess, is it a bill right now still? So. Uh, safe banking to get through uh, in whatever fashion it can. So uh, with that all said, look, uh, everybody have a wonderful week, uh, whatever you're listening to the show. So if you're listening to it Monday morning live, of course, uh, have a wonderful week, rest of the week. Hopefully this kickstarts you really well. Uh, you know, take this, this advice, sage advice today. And if you're listening to it during the week, uh, of course, make sure that you do subscribe to us on Spotify uh, or whatever other platform that you use. And let's be in touch. Let's keep uh, keep this ball rolling. So we have some great uh, guests coming up. Mary Jane Oatman from Indigenous Cannabis Industry Association next week. Uh, Dr. Bridget Williams, as well as Natasha Delinois Andrews on uh, the 17th. And on the 24th, we got Michael Diaz Rivera. Uh, so we really a great April lined up. And Peter Sue will be uh, from Green Check Verified, somebody you know from the banking committee uh, here. He'll be on uh, on, eight, on May 1st. Maybe he will stand up for us if, uh, if we ask nicely enough. Uh, but anyway, so everybody have a great week uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cannabis Minority Report is a production of the National Cannabis Industry Association. Hosted by Mike Lamuto, directed by Vince Chandler. Our producers are Bethany Moore and Aaron Smith. And our executive producers are Vince Chandler and Mike Lamuto. Mm-hmm.